decisions. Brother Eric. Uh, of yep, they, uh, we are followers of Christ. Brother Josh. Apollos. Apollos. Paul. Paul. One more. Cephas. That's right. And I'm not going to review too, too detailed, but does anybody remember who Apollos was? We know that name, but who, who was that? Brother Josh. He was from Alexandria, and uh, Priscilla and Aquila had taken him. He was, a, he was a, a Christian that was on fire but didn't really know what he was talking about per se. And so Aquila and Priscilla took him under their wings and taught him uh, the true doctrine that he needed to be teaching. And then when everybody left Corinth, he stayed there and really helped the believers there, which is why he became one of the, the four divisions that they were following. Now, we didn't really talk about this last week, but don't be confused if it was any of these leaders' fault, necessarily. It wasn't Paul's fault, Peter's fault, Apollos's, or obviously Christ's fault that people were following them. They were divisions among these people in the church at Corinth that they had kind of, uh, they, it was their claim to fame. I follow Paul. Okay, so it wasn't necessarily these leaders' fault getting a cult gathering behind them. Um, so Apollos really wasn't doing anything wrong. He just uh, was a, an eloquent speaker, and, and he got a group behind him. So, all right, <clears throat> then last week we started chapter 1, verse 18, the second issue that Paul is dealing with. And so we had the sin of following human leadership, and now then we got into the sin of favoring human wisdom. And really the only thing I want to review here is right at the very end of the lesson, we talked about the sufficiency of God's wisdom, and why is it important? Why does he, if you look at verses um, right at the end of uh, chapter 1, why does God use the base things of the world, the weak things of the world? Why does he use them? He says in verse 26, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things, to confound the wise and chosen the weak things to confound the mighty and the base things uh, and the things which are despised hath God chosen to bring to naught the things that are for what reason? Anybody know? To bring glory to God. Yep. Because when God uses, we talked about D.L. Moody, remember? He had a fifth grade education. When God takes somebody like that and uses them, you're not looking at D.L. Moody going, wow, he's so smart. You're going, how in the world? So God can get the glory. That's the reason. And so Paul is addressing the, the, the sin, really, of uh, human wisdom, following, going after human wisdom. And <clears throat> chapter 2, verses 1 through 13 is what we're going to talk about this morning. He continues on and kind of reviews what he was just talking about, which obviously tells us how important it is to Paul. I'm going to reiterate again God's plan as far as human wisdom and God's wisdom goes you don't miss this. So he reiterates it in chapter two, and we're going to talk about that this morning. Before we do, let's pray, and then we'll get right into it. Father, I thank you for this day you've given us. But again, I thank you for the opportunity we have to open your word, to study it, and to, to dig into it. God, I pray that you would use these lessons here in Sunday school, this series that we're in, uh, just to help us to get a better understanding of 1 Corinthians and, and the church there at Corinth, and how they're so much like uh, the New Testament church today, God, we, we drift and, and sway and go from doctrine to doctrine so easily. I pray that you'd help us to, 
get grounded, that we would study so that we know what we believe, so that we aren't carried about with every wind of doctrine, as your word says. Pray that you'd uh, bless this time we have together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so chapter 2, verse 1, is where we're going to get into. We're going to try to get through verse 13 today. I know there's 16 verses in this chapter, but the last three verses start the next issue that Paul is going to deal with. So, review of God's plan when it comes to wisdom. That's what we're going to talk about today. So, let's look at verse 1, Paul's message from God. And this is, this is verses 1 through 5. And I tried to print my notes out again uh, like I had last week. I finally printed them off so I wouldn't be blind when the computer shuts off. And it ended up not shutting off, so I didn't need my notes. Well, I went to print them today, and it wouldn't print. So let's uh, pray that the computer doesn't turn off, or I'll be staring there like a deer in headlights at you. So, Verses 1 through 5, Paul is reviewing what God had told him and, and what he already said in, verse, in chapter 1 right there at the end. In verses 1 through 5, this is Paul's message from God. So let's read those verses. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech... Or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Now, where have we read that before? Where have we seen that? If you look at chapter 1, in verse 17, he basically said that same thing. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effects. None effect. So you see, he's very much reviewing. This is only a few verses later, and he's already saying again, I came to you, not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Some of the, some of the verbiage that Paul uses is, is, is familiar to us, but confusing. So what, what is he saying there in verse 2? And I want somebody to answer this. If you just tell me what you think it means. I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Brother Nate. I think he was referring to um, the gospel. He was talking about Jesus Christ crucified. You're exactly right. You're exactly, you're right on, on point with what he's saying here. He's, remember, Paul is very schooled. He's, he's, got, he's got a lot of knowledge. He's very cultured. So he's not saying, and he's also not saying, I kind of always, I don't mean up until, you know, this week, but I always kind of thought he's talking about, I don't want to know your problems. I don't, I'm just going to preach the cross of Christ to you. That's not what he's saying. He knows their problems. Chloe sent a whole letter saying all the problems that they had. He's saying I'm not going to preach anything to you. I'm not going to give you all this extra, you know, you need the cross of Christ. You need the gospel of Christ, and that's all I'm going to preach. So that's what he's saying. I determined not to really to preach anything else among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He didn't want to, which is why they were following Apollos. Remember, Apollos was very eloquent, had a lot of, maybe in our, in what we would think of now, had a lot of stories you know, sometimes we love hearing a preacher preach because, man, he's got a good story and he draws you in. And that's a good application. Nothing wrong with it. Paul is saying, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to preach the cross and I'm going to preach the gospel, Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's it. And then verse 3, he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago that um, 
I had mentioned, you know, the, the in fear and in much trembling, they were, they were very opposed to Paul's apostleship, right? They didn't believe Paul, the Jews in Corinth, did not believe Paul was an apostle. And so uh, they were fighting him. But I don't believe that was the reason that he was with them in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Uh, Paul had faced a lot worse. Uh, and remember, Paul had in his back pocket a lot of things. He had his Roman citizenship that he always was dropping back on and saying, hey, whoa, whoa, I'm a Roman. You can't do that to me. Um, so I don't think he was necessarily trembling for fear of the Corinthians. Um, I read, I read uh, this. Matthew Henry says this. Uh, this fear and trembling comes from a deep sense of a minister's own weakness. I really think that's what Paul was trembling over. He was not scared of them. He was saying, man, if, if I get this wrong, these people are not going to understand what it means to be born again, what it means to be saved. So he came to them in weakness of, of himself. And we'll see that as we go through the chapter. Weakness of, in, he had no power of his own is what he's going to start talking about. So that's the weakness and in fear and in much trembling of the fact that he would not preach the, the gospel of the cross to them the way it needed to be preached. So um, he's telling the church here, and I wrote this note down, um, but the subject of Paul's message, we already talked about it, the subject of his message is Christ. He's not trying to give them anything else, really. Christ. And he tells the church uh, that he had commuted, communicated to them a treasure of the truest and highest wisdom. That's, that's the whole point of Paul's message here in verses 1 through 5. Because verse 4, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. For what reason? That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He's, re, he's reiterating the issues with the divisions in the church. Because you are following a man. Verse 5, he's saying that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. Because, pastor talks about this fairly often, but what would happen if Apollos left the faith, just walked away? What would those followers have done? Doesn't necessarily mean they would have left, but they could have if they're really just following. Because they're even looking at the followers of Paul and saying, you guys are wrong. Not necessarily in their doctrine, but you're following the wrong person. Who are we following? So we, we mentioned that in chapter 1, that Paul is saying, don't follow any of them. In verse, Remember chapter 1, verse 10? What is the cure for these different divisions? I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So uh, that's how we get rid of divisions, but unity in Christ, not under any other person. And so he's reiterating that here, and he says that in verse 5, that your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So we talk about, uh, in verse 3 there, Paul's kind of the state that he's in, and then, and then the style of Paul's message. He already told us this in chapter 1, but not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. And he's going to tell them here, uh, you'll see toward the end of the chapter, he's going to tell them the power that I do preach with. Because remember, uh, more than once in the New Testament when Paul is preaching, they're saying, you know, his, they, they don't like Paul because it says his, his, uh, his presence is small. You know, his, maybe he just doesn't come across real confident. I don't know. But they, 
don't really like Paul as a speaker. But he, it's not because he wasn't a good speaker, because they tried to make him a god because he was the chief speaker, remember? They said, man, he's got to be Mercury because he's the chief speaker. So he was, <clears throat> Paul does this on purpose. He doesn't, and pastor says this all the time, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less, right? Uh, so Paul is not saying, oh, I'm, I'm so worthless, even though he does mention that. Um, I think Brother Nitten preached a message on that to, the, to where at one point Paul says, I'm a chief of sinners. But it's not because he's looking down on himself. He knows what he is. Um, so anyway, his, state, his style of message here is not for show. It's for the wisdom of God so that they can see in, in God's power what can be done. All right, and then verse 6. We're gonna, we're, I'm trying to move along through this just so we don't get uh, tied up too much. But in uh, chapter 2, verse 6, then we start. So that was Paul's message to the Corinthians. In verse 6, we start God's message to man. Look at that, verses 6 through 13. But verse 6 says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. So <clears throat> this is another one of those things where Paul starts talking. We're familiar with the way he talks, especially if you grew up with the King James Version. It's not odd to us the way he's talking, but what is he trying to say? Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. What does perfect mean? We see that verse, that word often in the, in the King James Bible. What is, we think of perfect as without sin, you know, faultless. But Brother Nate? Yeah, mature. In the, in the, in the sense of a Christian, it's a mature Christian. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are mature. So, uh, remember, Paul talks about um, he could not give them meat, right? Because they weren't ready for it. He had to give them the milk of the word because they were babies. But he's, he's uh, reprimanding them in a way. He's saying, I tried to give you meat and I couldn't because you won't, you're not growing. <clears throat> but the milk that he's giving them is not a different doctrine. It's just less of it. Okay, so it's the same doctrine. But that's what he's saying here in verse 6. We speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. you got to remember, this is why we went over the, in the introduction, who was here in Corinth. That's why we went over this, because there's Jews here that are very devout and rejecting Paul's apostleship. Uh, they're, they're even Jewish Christians that re, are refusing what Paul has to say, because who are you? Um, now, there's other Jews that are, that are not born again at all, but you see that, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor are the princes of this world that come to naught. They were meeting every day in the synagogue to talk through the law and, and read God's word and discuss it. And that's what Paul is attacking here. You guys sit there and you get into these deep discussions all the time, and you don't even know what you're talking about. And we'll see that as we go through these verses uh, we get down because in verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Verse 8, this is important, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So what Paul is saying here is we speak the wisdom of God, but they're almost spoken in mysteries, not mysteries that are purposely meant to be hidden, but they're only for Christians. 
And you'll see that in verse 14. We're not going to really get into it today. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, because they're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. He can't know them, because he doesn't have this godly wisdom that Paul is speaking about here. So he's, he's addressing this. This is God's message to man, though. We speak wisdom among them that are perfect, and, we, and we'll, we'll get into these verses here in a little bit. But why could they not understand? Why, why could these, not necessarily unsaved, but the carnal Christian even? And, and I, I was uh, thinking about this morning, this this morning, and I didn't write it down, and I was hoping I wouldn't forget it, and I'm here, so I, I didn't forget it. But the carnal Christian, can we as Christians, have the Holy Spirit no longer leading us in our lives. Is that possible? Absolutely. Because the Bible says we can quench the Holy Spirit. We can grieve him so much, refuse to listen to him so often that he finally says, fine, I'm done. And he gives us over to a reprobate mind. That's what that verse is talking about. He says, fine, the Holy Spirit says, that's dangerous. Not the preacher, not, you know, some group or your friends. The Holy Spirit says, I'm done. I'm done leading you until you come back to me. Okay? So, verse 14, even a Christian can be of that natural man's mindset and not understand the mysteries of the Word of God. And so, they don't understand them because they were hidden. And I'm gonna, we're going to go through a few verses here, and I'm going to hand some verses out, okay? Uh, I'll talk about Matthew 13. Brother Nitten, can you get 1 Corinthians 15, 51? These are some things, some mysteries that are, that are, a mystery is unrevealed truth hidden to man unless the Holy Spirit uh, reveals it to us. And it's not that, it's not like a cult or a, you know, only the elect few can have this. Anybody can understand these mysteries, but they can't understand them without the wisdom of the Spirit of God. And we'll, we're going to get into those verses here in a few minutes. Um, but 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Miss Neha, can you, can you go to Ephesians chapter 3? Um, actually, I'm going to give you a different one. Romans chapter 16, verses 25 and 26, because the Ephesians passage is, is quite lengthy. Uh, Brother Nate, can I get you to read Colossians 1, 26 and 27? Let's see. Mr. Forbes, can I get you to read Colossians 2, verses 2 and 9. Not 2 through 9, just 2 and 9. And we'll stop with those. I have a bunch more references. Did you say Colossians? Colossians 2, 2 and 9. Uh, Colossians 1, 26 and 27, I think. Yep, that's the one I gave you. Okay, and what we're going to talk about here is some of these mysteries that are not revealed to the natural man, to the carnal Christian or the unsaved uh, person. And Matthew chapter 13, I'm going to touch on this. It's the whole chapter, but I want to... Um, this is the, some of the parables that Christ is giving. And you remember, the Pharisees were so confused by, by parables. They could not understand. What is he talking about? For us, especially as saved people, they're pretty straightforward. 
And even in a lot of the parables, Christ gave the explanation and they still were just completely confused because they were natural men. They, they don't have the spirit of God leading them, giving them this understanding. So the kingdom of heaven was, is Matthew 13. They don't understand the kingdom of heaven, uh, even to the point where, you know, he said, I'm going to destroy this temple in three days. I'm going to build it up and I'm going to, I'm going to set up my kingdom. And they thought they were mad at him for saying it took 70 years to build the temple and you're going to build it in three days. They were mad because they did not understand. So that's what I'm talking about by these mysteries that are not revealed to the natural man. Uh, the rapture, 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Okay, can you imagine, and, and I've grown up in church my whole life, so I, I know these verses, it makes sense to me, I'm saved, so the Spirit has given me that understanding as well, but can you imagine somebody reading that verse for the first time? What is it talking about? We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. That's what we're talking about here, that these, and that's what Paul is talking about. These mysteries are revealed by the Spirit of God to those that are saved. Verse 8, none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Had they understand, understood what he was talking about, they would not have crucified him. They weren't crucifying him because they didn't like him or what he was teaching necessarily. They crucified him because he was, in their minds, teaching everything completely contrary to the Old Testament and to the law. He was trying to tell them, I am the fulfillment of the law that you believe. But they're so blinded, they, they just could not understand it. So we have the rapture, rapture, Gentiles in the church, which is every one of us, non-Jews. They could not grasp the concept that this, could, that this salvation could possibly be for non-Jews. Uh, Romans chapter 16, verse 25 and 26. So, yeah, what he's talking about here is he's saying that the, the gospel was a mystery. All the way through the Old Testament, it's pointing to Christ. But it's a mystery. We didn't understand even those that believed. It was, it was in faith. They were saved by faith as well, just like we are. Because they didn't understand really what he was talking about, even though they believed it. And that's what Paul is saying here in Romans chapter 16, verse 25. Uh, According to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. We didn't really, until Christ came, then, okay, now it makes sense. Uh, when the fullness of the time was come, he sent his son. But now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, hath made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. So um, the, the Gentiles in the church is, is a mystery that is finally revealed through the wisdom of the Spirit of God. Uh, Colossians 1, 26 and 27. I just got two more. This is the indwelling of Christ.
Christ in you, the hope of glory. So that's the indwelling of Christ. But, but you, realize, you, you see every one of these verses is talking about the, the word mystery is actually in there. And it's, this is not like a, this is not like a, uh, um, a riddle or something like that. It's a mystery that is hidden unless the Spirit of God is indwelling inside of you. And I, I'm, we're going to bring this all together. It's going to make sense here in a minute. I have a... I got a, a paragraph that I want to read to you, and it will make sense what we're talking about. But the last mystery we're going to look at, Mr. Forbes, uh, is the incarnation of Christ. And this is one we understand well. Colossians chapter 2. For in him, in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. Uh, so that was a mystery that was uh, revealed to us. And, and it goes on. Revelation, the mystery of Babylon is revealed. Um, uh, Second Thessalonians, the mystery of sin, what we didn't understand, our blindness to sin is revealed. Revelation chapter 10, God himself is revealed to us. And you can look up these passages. Um, these things were known to God from the beginning. Um, and you'll see in most of those passages, it says this mystery that was from the beginning was, was it was a mystery from the beginning, hath been made known to us. But, but God knew exactly what was going on. He knew exactly what it was and these mysteries, and he revealed them to us through his spirit. Okay, so we have uh, the ignorance of these, these mysteries but then we're going to have or God's message to man. But then we have the inspiration of it in uh, verses 9 through 13. Paul tells them, basically, I have great news for you. Uh, God wants to reveal these mysteries to his people through his spirit. And I wrote this down. The Bible is, people say, the Bible is so hard to understand. You ever heard that? I don't, I don't understand it. It's so difficult for me to understand. And we know why. Because these, things, this, these mysteries are not revealed to the natural man. And I don't want it to be this mystic idea. It's not that at all. It's just that the natural man, in verse 14, cannot understand them. Because he's spiritually discerned. Because they are spiritually discerned. He cannot understand them. So I wrote this down. The Bible is so hard to understand. But not if you have the Holy Spirit helping you. The Holy Spirit knows if you're serious, verse 10... For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, this, the deep things of God. Um, that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit knows if you're serious, and the Holy Spirit searches all things. So the Holy Spirit, you know, if you're, if you're trying to get an answer for something so you can go prove somebody at work wrong, that's not, that's not being serious about understanding the things of God. But if you're serious if you're, we've talked about this, me and Brother Nitton, a couple times, diff, different passages. What is that? What does that mean? If you're seriously un, trying to understand it and meditating on it and reading it over and over and trying to find context and looking at other passages, the Holy Spirit's going to reveal to you that mystery. Now, others might understand it, but to you, it's a mystery because of where you're at in your spiritual walk. And the Holy Spirit is more than willing he wants to reveal those things to you to help you understand his word now 
Go to Isaiah chapter 64. Hold your finger in 1 Corinthians. Go to Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 4. And we've talked about this a few times. Paul is well versed in the Old Testament. Remember, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He studied the law. He knows what it says. Uh, and the law would have been the first five books, but he understands the prophets. He knows what's going on. Uh, and if you look at verse 9 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, so go to, we'll be in both places. As it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. You remember, you remember Pastor talking about uh, when we get to heaven, we're going to see the things you know, on the shelves that God wanted us to do, but we, weren't, we either weren't right or we didn't let the Holy Spirit lead us and we missed out on those opportunities, things that he had for us. That's what Paul's talking about here. But he's quoting Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4. I say quoting, he's paraphrasing. Look at verse 4 of chapter 64. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, Neither nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Uh, this is well before Christ came to the, to the earth to die on the cross. But that's the prophet Isaiah, and Paul is, is paraphrasing him, saying, you have no idea what God can do and wants to do with you if you'll be led by the Spirit. Uh, <clears throat> there in verse 9. The things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And the key there is that love him. Uh, not just necessarily just them that search the scriptures. There are unsaved. I have a guy at work and I, uh, I have a guy at work that actually kind of knows the Bible, but he knows, but he does not know God. And so when he quotes the Bible, it's, it's out of context. It's so confused because he doesn't know God. What God hath prepared for them that love him is the key that unlocks these mysteries uh, that God has for us to find. And Christ sometimes played games with the Pharisees in a way. He purposely spoke parables so that they couldn't understand what he was trying to talk about. And I don't think he was joking with them. I think he was purposely giving it in a way that they wouldn't understand, but those that love him would completely know what he was talking about and it frustrated the pharisees uh, to no end but that's why christ did it that way so we have the promise of god i've got great things for those that love him uh, and then we have the probing of the spirit in verse 10 but god hath revealed them unto us by his spirit for the spirit searcheth all things yea the deep things of god he reveals them to us through the scriptures which is why it's so important to study scriptures. And he reveals them, uh, well, he, he opens our minds, and I don't mean that to be a weird thing, but he opens our minds to understand what he's trying to say in the Bible. But he, the Spirit of God, illuminates those things to us. He helps us to understand. Now, in verses 11, this is, we just got a couple minutes left, but I wanna, I wanna touch on this topic. We're going to read verses 11 through 13, and then, then I'm going to read uh, this paragraph to you, and then we'll be basically done. Verse 11, for what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Basically, I don't know what Nitten's thinking. I don't know his motives because I'm not Nitten, okay? But what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of, the, of man which is in him? So his mind, his spirit. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. 
Okay? So you don't know what God's trying to do. You don't know what God's purpose is in a trial, in a, in a test. Only the Spirit of God knows that. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So now this Spirit that, of God, that knows God, has also been given to us which is why we are able to know the things of God. Okay, verse 13. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now, I, I was studying this, and I read, this is not my, uh, I took this from Matthew Henry, but it's really good, so I'm just going to read it. He says this about 11, verses 11 through 13. A double argument is drawn from these words in proof of the divinity of the Holy Ghost. Omniscience is attributed to him. He searches all things, even the deep things of God. Omniscience is? Say it louder. All-knowing. All Omniscience is all-knowing. So the Holy Spirit is all-knowing. Who's all-knowing? Only God, right? So what Paul is trying also in a roundabout way here, which is also one of the mysteries of, of God's word is he's proving to us the, that the Holy Spirit is God. He is part of the Trinity. He searches all things, even the deep things of God. He has exact knowledge of all things and enters into the very depths of God, penetrates into his most secret counsels. Now, who can have such a thorough knowledge of God but God? Who can have such a thorough knowledge of Nitin but Nitin himself? You know, pastor says it all the time. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what your heart is. Only you know your heart. That's what Paul is saying here. Okay? Who can have such a thorough knowledge of God but God himself? This illusion seems to imply that the Holy Spirit is as much in God as a man's mind is in himself. Now, the mind of man is plainly essential to him. He cannot be without his mind. Right? If somebody says, yeah, his mind is gone. It's not the same person you used to know. Right? When, when they get dementia or, or Alzheimer's or something like that, they're not the same person. My, my wife's grandmother went through that, and very clearly, you know, she was a good Christian woman her whole life, and she just got so mean at the end because she didn't know where she was at. So without your mind, you are not yourself, okay? He cannot be without his mind, a man. Now, can God be without his spirit? He is as much and as intimately one with God as the man's mind is with the man. The man knows his own mind because his mind is one with himself. The Spirit of God knows the things of God because he is one with God. Paul is proving the Trinity, the uh, <clears throat> Godhead of the Holy Spirit. Okay, and I, and I wanted to uh, focus on this. And as no man can come at the knowledge of what is in another man's mind till he communicates and reveals it, so neither can we know the secret counsels and purposes of God till they are made known to us by his Holy Spirit. That's an extremely important <clears throat> statement. I don't know what's Nitin's thinking until I go talk to Nitin. Same way, we don't understand what God is trying to reveal to us until we have the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> God, guiding us in that understanding. We cannot know them at all till he, till he had proposed them objectively in the external revelation, which is God's word. We cannot know or believe them to salvation till he enlightens the faculties, opens the eyes of the mind, and gives us such a knowledge and faith of them. And it was by this spirit that the apostles had received the wisdom of God in a mystery which they spoke of. So long, kind of a long thing, but, but uh, 
understand that without the Holy Spirit, who is God himself, we cannot understand God's word. And I had an example here. Um, we had a couple guys get written up at work on an audit because they made a, a plastic weld that wasn't great. But the last step of your welds is a visual inspection. Well, they hadn't been visually inspected yet. And the auditor said, that's a bad fuse. You guys, you're aud I'm auditing you. I'm pulling your qualifications to fuse anymore. And they said, we're not done. We haven't, we haven't made the final uh, um, visual inspection. And, he's, and he, so it went up the chain, and I'm going somewhere with this. It went up the chain, and he said, <clears throat> I don't think they were going to cut it out. And the chain of command said, you can't decide what they were thinking. So that reason I give that example is we cannot know a man's mind without talking to that man. We cannot know the mind of God without talking to God. And that's why it's so important that we have that uh, relationship with him. And I wrote this last thing down and we are um, we're finished. But the Holy Spirit preserves truth for us. We don't have to preserve it. It's not like, oh man, it, now it is important that we pass it along, but if we don't do our job, the Holy Spirit is going to uh, preserve truth. And I wrote this down. Once they are revealed by his spirit, the mysteries of, of God's word and, and of God, we preach and expound them pre to preserve these truths in the hearts of God's people. That's why we preach. And that was kind of Paul's whole point here. I'm preaching the counsel of God, the cross of Christ, so that we don't lose it, uh, to preserve that truth in Christians. The, the truth God finally revealed to us, we need to preserve it with preaching. All right, next week we are done, but next week we are going to get into the uh, third uh, error that Paul addresses, and that is the sin of failing in the flesh. Or floundering in the flesh and that'll go from chapter 2 verse 14 through chapter 3 verse 7 but we'll get into that next week all right let's pray and then we'll be dismissed i got kids coming father i thank you for this day you've given us thank you again for your word thank you for the time we have to spend in it thank you for your holy spirit and the work it does in our hearts of those that us of us that are saved God, I thank you that you reveal things to us that you help us to understand exactly what it is that you want us to do so that we can obey so that we can obey uh, in faith. Without your Holy Spirit teaching us, we would not know what that truth is. So I thank you for that. God, I pray that you be with this next hour, that you be with our pastor as he preaches, that you give him wisdom, but give him power. God, as, just as we talked about this morning, it's not the wisdom of words that gets a message across. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working in hearts. And so I pray that you'd be here, meet with us this morning, that we'd prepare our hearts to, have what, to receive what you have for us, and our ears will be open. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.